Hello, this is Paul Mackey, an idiot for your amusement. This day is day 12 of the dog days of podcasting, and I'm having a great time. I did watch the next episode of that 80s show, but I have not had the chance to form my episode around it yet. But I will say that I did find a positive change to one of the characters that I was not expecting. I wrote Quitting Time several years before I recorded the version for the Jack Bangan's Deadpan podcast, as mentioned in that version. The original was about a burger restaurant, and I had never actually worked at a burger restaurant, but I had worked at a rotisserie chicken food court place at the Mall of America called Chicken Stampede, which is where the line, Howdy ma'am, would you like to try some chicken, came from. I said it many times. The character Jeremy was just intended to be for that story. I had another story in longer form in an unfinished but possibly still valid work from high school, and there was a Jeremy in that too, but they were so far unrelated. And thirdly, I had this other project originally conceived for a run at the three-day novel contest that I never actually participated in. Labor Day weekend was always far too busy to actually do it. The story was supposed to be about a couple of guys going around photographing world's largest statuary and the unexpected turn things would take. The three things coalesced into really big things as as it stands today, although I don't recall exactly when the third element where Jeremy was revealed to me to be the same Jeremy from the oldest story. In any case, one day in 2006, I sat down and recorded the very first episode of Really Big Things on the built-in microphone on my iMac, the one with the very loud fans. So here's that episode, Spoonbridge with Cherry. Really Big Things, a serial by Paul Mackey, episode one, Spoonbridge with Cherry. Jeremy awoke on the hood of a car. The way his head was pounding, he wasn't ready to consider moving. Through his eyelids, he could tell the morning sun was far too bright for his retinas to cope with. He was arched back over the hood of probably Tim's Honda. Jeremy smelled Bondo. Tim had recently encountered a surly guardrail, which he swore refused to get out of the middle of the road. Jeremy also noted his attire, or almost total lack thereof. He was down to his boxers, probably the ones with the angels and the -the glow-in-the-dark devils, or possibly red and white stripes. He vaguely recalled falling into water. He groaned and determined he'd rather not remember. His mind accepted this wish, but then rebelliously turned to the conversation he'd avoided thinking about all the previous night. Melissa had looked unamused and a bit green. You did... What? Things really hadn't started out well. Then they got to, Liz, I promise I can get another, What? Another dead-end job you'll hate, Until one day you, what? Shit on the boss's chair? Strangely, Melissa went through all the usual footwork of the fight, But didn't seem to actually have any fight in her. Eventually, it came down to his unused English degree and an inevitable comparison to her brother Chris, the successful photographer. If you like Chris so much, why don't you marry him? The schoolboy in Jeremy smirked, but she had simply said, That's not funny, and left. After spending a short time kicking the futon, Jeremy called Rob, then Tim and Rob filled him full of... Jeremy belched, Ugh, Jägermeister. Then they got lap dances. Ah, yes, the lap dances. Mm. A collection of gasps, titters, and some smart-ass whistling told Jeremy three things. A, that he was not alone. 
B. That he was sober enough to tent his boxers, and C. That he was indeed wearing the red and white striped pair. <laughs> A shadow passed over him, and he tentatively opened his eyes. Hi, Jeremy. It was Chris. Ugh, you. Did she send you? Actually, no, I'm here for my job. What, you taking pictures of half-naked men on car hoods these days? Funny, said Chris. Actually, Jeremy, you're not on a car hood. Bullshit, I can smell the bondo. Chris replied with a smug grin, the bastard, and a pointed finger. Jeremy tilted his head back and saw above him a large, splotchy red orb surrounded by scaffolding. Protruding from its top was a long, black cherry stem. I'm on the goddamn spoon, aren't I? Yes, and the police are likely called, so we should get out of here. Jeremy peeled himself up off the spoon bridge and gathered what he could find of his clothes. Shouts at the other end of the sculpture garden indicated the park police had arrived. The crowd of giggling eighth graders and bewildered elderly power walkers parted, and Chris and Jeremy sprinted up the stairs to the pedestrian bridge. Not looking back, they crossed above Hennepin Avenue and sprinted through Loring Park on the other side. This way, Jeremy gasped, and they burst through the door of a coffee shop and out the back way across the parking lot and into Jeremy's building. What I don't get, Jeremy said later, pulling on sweatpants and a t-shirt in his apartment, is why I smelled Bondo. That's what it's made of, the Spoonbridge and Cherry. A framework and Bondo, said Chris. They're freshening it up. I got some nice shots of the stripped-down fruit, and a few of the cherry getting reverb, too. Very funny, asshole, said Jeremy. Look, I'd offer you some orange juice, but I'm fresh out, and... Oh, yeah, don't like you. If you say so, but it's not my fault my sister wants to use me as an example. Jeremy led Chris over to the door. Yes, well, as a gainfully employed person, I'm sure you have important places to be. Oh, yeah. I'm working on a book on roadside attractions. I've got a... Say, here's an idea. You've got no job and nothing to hold you here, right? Why don't you come out with me? It'll be just like the road trips we always said we'd take back when we were roomies. Yeah, Jeremy said, opening the door. I'll have to think... No, wait. I just remembered. Don't much like you. Off you go. Well, okay, said Chris. I guess I'll see you around. Very good. See you. Jeremy stood near his closed door until he heard the elevator bell chime, then walked into the kitchen. He nearly jumped out of his skin when an officer's fist thundered on his door. We know you're in there, pervert. We've got eyewitnesses and security tapes. You've been listening to Really Big Things, a serial by Paul Mackey. Music is Chronodermis by Nanochrist. Check out their website at www.nanochrist.com. I don't actually know what Bondo smells like, but I do know that at one point the famous cherry was refurbished using Bondo, so I used that setting, given that it was the closest really big thing to me at the time. Incidentally, Clay Oldenburg, who created the Spoonbridge with Cherry, just passed away last month. Oh, and this had the first uncredited cameo, 
which was something I carried on through every episode. This one was just a fun way to get Alvy from Boulder involved when he wasn't selling magazines on Winging It. Later, each cameo became an Easter egg of sorts in every episode where familiar voices would suddenly show up for a single line. Well, this is all I really have time for today. It's my wife Darcy's birthday, and daughter Iris is in a community theater production of High School Musical The Musical. If you want to skip ahead and listen to all of Really Big Things, I can link you to a folder with all included. Reach me at idgitcastpodcast at gmail.com. But then, until next time, happy hunting! You have been listening to the One Idget's Thoughts on podcast, produced by Paul Mackey in association with QuadrupleZ.com. Theme music is Too Good by Jack Mangan and is used by permission from him. If you would like to hear other podcasts by me, you might try The Ghostlight Podcast, a completed intro cast about the TV series Slings and Arrows, or Idgetcast, an intro cast for the TV series Supernatural. Both can be found on fine podcasting listening software everywhere or at quadruplez.com. I'm just a butt-soul.